Sketches by Boz, Section 3. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Brad Philippone. Sketches by Boz, by Charles Dickens. Our Parish, Chapter 3. The Four Sisters. The row of houses in which the old lady and her troublesome neighbour reside comprises beyond all doubt a greater number of characters within its circumscribed limits than all the rest of the parish put together. As we cannot, consistently with our present plan, however, extend the number of our parochial sketches beyond six, it will be better perhaps to select the most peculiar, and to introduce them at once without further preface. The four Miss Willises, then, settled in our parish thirteen years ago. It is a melancholy reflection that the old adage, Time and tide wait for no man, applies with equal force to the fairer portion of the creation, and willingly would we conceal the fact that even thirteen years ago the Miss Willises were far from juvenile. Our duty as faithful parochial chroniclers, however, is paramount to every other consideration, and we are bound to state that thirteen years since, the authorities in matrimonial cases considered the youngest Miss Willis in a very precarious state, while the eldest sister was positively given over, as being far beyond all human hope. Well, the Miss Willises took a lease of the house. It was fresh-painted and papered from top to bottom. The paint inside was all wainscoted, the marble all cleaned, the old grates taken down, and register-stoves, you could see to dress by, put up. Four trees were planted in the back garden, several small baskets of gravel sprinkled over the front one, vans of elegant furniture arrived, spring blinds were fitted to the windows, carpenters who had been employed in the various preparations, alterations, and repairs made confidential statements to the different maid-servants in the row relative to the magnificent scale on which the Miss Willises were commencing the maid-servants told their missuses the missuses told their friends and vague rumours were circulated throughout the parish that number twenty-five in gordon place had been taken by four maiden ladies of immense property at last the miss willises moved in and then the calling began the house was the perfection of neatness so were the four miss willises everything was formal stiff and cold so were the four miss willises not a single chair of the whole set was ever seen out of its place not a single miss willis of the whole four was ever seen out of hers there they always sat in the same places doing precisely the same things at the same hour the eldest miss willis used to knit the second to draw the two others to play duets on the piano they seemed to have no separate existence but to have made up their minds just to winter through life together. They were three long graces in drapery, with the addition like a school dinner of another long grace afterwards. The three fates with another sister. The Siamese twins multiplied by two. The eldest Miss Willis grew bilious. The four Miss Willises grew bilious immediately. The eldest Miss Willis grew ill-tempered and religious the four miss willises were ill-tempered and religious directly whatever the eldest did the others did 
and whatever anybody else did, they all disapproved of, and thus they vegetated, living in polar harmony among themselves, and as they sometimes went out or saw company in a quiet way at home, occasionally icing the neighbours. Three years passed over in this way, when an unlooked-for and extraordinary phenomenon occurred. The Miss Willises showed symptoms of summer. The frost gradually broke up. A complete thaw took place. Was it possible? One of the four Miss Willises was going to be married. Now, where on earth the husband came from, by what feelings the poor man could have been actuated, or by what process of reasoning the four Miss Willises succeeded in persuading themselves that it was possible for a man to marry one of them, without marrying them all, are questions too profound for us to resolve. Certain it is, however, that the visits of Mr. Robinson, a gentleman in a public office with a good salary and a little property of his own besides, were received, that the four Miss Willises were courted in due form by the said Mr. Robinson, that the neighbours were perfectly frantic in their anxiety to discover which of the four Miss Willises was the fortunate fair, and that the difficulty they experienced in solving the problem was not at all lessened by the announcement of the eldest Miss Willis, we are going to marry Mr. Robinson. It was very extraordinary. They were so completely identified, the one with the other, that the curiosity of the whole row, even of the old lady herself, was roused almost beyond endurance. The subject was discussed at every little card-table and tea-drinking. The old gentleman of silkworm notoriety did not hesitate to express his decided opinion that Mr. Robinson was of Eastern descent, and contemplated marrying the whole family at once, and the row generally shook their heads with considerable gravity, and declared the business to be very mysterious. They hoped it might all end well. It certainly had a very singular appearance, but still it would be uncharitable to express any opinion without good grounds to go upon, and certainly the Miss Willises were quite old enough to judge for themselves, and to be sure people ought to know their own business best, and so forth. At last one fine morning, at a quarter before eight o'clock a.m., two glass-couches drove up to the Miss Willis's door, at which Mr. Robinson had arrived in a cab ten minutes before, dressed in a light blue coat, and double-milked cursy pantaloons, white neckerchief pumps, and dress-gloves. His manner denoting, as appeared from the evidence of the housemaid at number twenty-three, who was sweeping the doorsteps at the time, a considerable degree of nervous excitement. It was also reported on the same testimony that the cook who opened the door wore a large white bow of unusual dimensions, in a much smarter headdress than the regulation cap to which the Miss Willises invariably restricted the somewhat excursive tastes of female servants in general. The intelligence spread rapidly from house to house. It was quite clear that the eventful morning had at length arrived. The whole row stationed themselves behind their first and second floor blinds, and waited the result in breathless expectation. At last the Miss Willis's door opened. The door of the first glass coach did the same. Two gentlemen and a pair of ladies to correspond—friends of the family, no doubt—up went the steps, bang went the door, off went the first-class coach, and up came the second. The street-door opened again. The excitement of the whole row increased. Mr. Robinson and the eldest Miss Willis. I thought so, said the lady at number nineteen. 
"'I always said it was Miss Willis.' "'Well, I never,' ejaculated the young lady at number eighteen to the young lady at number seventeen. "'Did you ever, dear?' responded the young lady at number seventeen to the young lady at number eighteen. "'It's too ridiculous,' exclaimed spinster of an uncertain age, at number sixteen, joining in the conversation. But who shall portray the astonishment of Gordon Place when Mr. Robinson handed in all the Miss Willises, one after the other, and then squeezed himself into an acute angle of the glass coach, which forthwith proceeded at a brisk pace after the other glass coach, which other glass coach had itself proceeded at a brisk pace in the direction of the parish church? who shall depict the perplexity of the clergyman when all the miss willises knelt down at the communion table and repeated the responses incidental to the marriage service in an audible voice or who shall describe the confusion which prevailed when even after the difficulties that occasioned had been adjusted all the miss willises went to hysterics at the conclusion of the ceremony until the sacred edifice resounding with their united wailings as the four sisters and mr robinson continued to occupy the same house after this memorable occasion and as the married sister whoever she was never appeared in public without the other three we are not quite clear that the neighbours ever would have discovered the real mrs robinson but for a circumstance of the most gratifying description which will happen occasionally in the best regulated families three-quarter days elapsed and the row on whom a new light appeared to have been bursting for some time began to speak with a sort of implied confidence on the subject and to wonder how mrs robinson the youngest miss willis that was got on and servants might be seen running up the steps about nine or ten o'clock every morning with mrs compliments and wishes to know how mrs robinson finds herself this morning and the answer was mrs robinson's compliments and she's in very good spirits and doesn't find herself any worse the piano was heard no longer the knitting needles were laid aside drawing was neglected and mantua making and millinery on the smallest scale imaginable appeared to have become the favourite amusement of the whole family the parlour wasn't quite as tidy as it used to be and if you called in the morning you would see lying on a table with an old newspaper carelessly thrown over them two or three particularly small caps rather larger than if they had been made for a moderate-sized doll with a small piece of lace in the shape of a horseshoe let in behind or perhaps a white robe not very large in circumference but very much out of proportion in point of length with a little tucker round the top and a frill round the bottom and once when we called we saw a long white roller with a kind of blue margin down each side the probable use of which we were at a loss to conjecture then we fancied that dr dawson the surgeon etc who displays a large lamp with a different colour in every pane of glass at the corner of the row began to be knocked up at night oftener than he used to be and once we were very much alarmed by hearing a hackney-coach stop at mrs robinson's door at half-past two in the morning out of which there emerged a fat old woman in a cloak and nightcap with a bundle in one hand and a pair of patterns in the other who looked as if she had been suddenly knocked up out of bed for some very special purpose when we got up in the morning we saw that the knocker was tied up in an old white kid glove and we in our innocence we were in a state of bachelorship then wondered what on earth it all meant until we heard the eldest miss willis in propria persona say with great dignity and answer to the next inquiry 
"'My compliments, and Mrs. Robinson's doing as well as can be expected, and the little girl thrives wonderfully.' And then, in common with the rest of the row, our curiosity was satisfied, and we began to wonder if it had never occurred to us what the matter was before. End of section 3